0: to dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans.
1: The Mothership, saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday.
0: All Aboard the Mothership, the geek culture podcast from the USA Today Network. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's meet the small crew today. Uh, I'm Kelly Lawler. I watch television, and if I could make a Westworld park, it would be Elizabethan England theme, but, you know, with hygiene. Uh, if this is your first time listening to us, welcome. New episodes of The Mothership are available every Friday, and you can subscribe to us for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you happen to like to listen. And while you're on Apple Podcasts, if you go there, it would be so lovely if you could leave us a quick review about the show. By doing that, you'll be helping other fans who love nerdy and geeky pop culture find us. And as a thank you, we'll give you a very special shout-out on our next episode. It's really fun. We read what you say word for word. It's pretty cool. So please try it out. Tell us what you want to see from the show moving forward. It's all upside. And don't forget, along with leaving us a review, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Mothership Pod, or you can send an email to MothershipPod at USAToday.com. And a quick programming note, I'm flying solo this week since, as many of you guys probably are, we're rocking remote work right now in these interesting times so stay safe and wash your hands and we are keeping things simple brett and brian are working from their houses with their dog i'm at my house with my dog it's all very exciting so now on to the main topic here is a clip i was born into this world
1: and my first memories of it are pain for my kind there was one place we were never allowed to go
0: your world.
1: Who are you, Dolores? You and I are a lot alike. They put you in a cage, decided what your life would be. They did the same thing to me. But you've been watching me.
0: Not no. me, but someone. Something
1: has. Who's? And we're going after.
0: person who took your future. That was a clip from HBO's Westworld, which is returning this Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Although the sci-fi series feels like it's been on forever, it's actually only in its third season, thanks to long breaks between each go-round, which can make it hard to remember what exactly is going on at any given time in the future world with robot theme parks and a lot of nudity and blood, and if you are still a fan of it, even. Uh, Westworld's return is a perfect excuse to bring our colleague, Bill Kevney on the show to talk about the series. He is a great TV reporter who I work with all the time and has been covering Westworld since it premiered in 2016. And recently he got to talk to some of the cast and producers about the new season. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Bill.
1: Oh, great to be with you, Kelly. And, uh, thanks for embellishing my, uh, record.
0: Um, we've definitely worked together. That was totally
1: the truth. No, the part about me being (laughs) a great TV reporter. (laughs) We have definitely worked together.
0: (laughs) Um, All right, so let's jump in and talk all things Westworld and robots. So, first of all, you are doing the world a great service by writing a very necessary story, recapping what has happened on the series so far to catch people up because it's been 18 months, I believe, since season two was airing.
1: Actually maybe more closer to 21 months. It's June of, of 2018 was the last, uh, original episode. So that's, uh, that's nearly two years, which would be a long time for, you know, one day at a time, but it's like forever for a show this complex. It's a, it's a long time. And I think, uh, watching some, especially the finale of season two is, is really helpful. I found it helpful.
0: So what are the big things we should remember from the finale of season two? You just rewatched that.
1: A lot of the things that we found out certain stories about the forge, which was a place where the, uh, Delos was, uh, uh, collecting the guests' memories and we found there was another project going on there. I'm not, I think that will play into the new season. There was a huge massacre of, of Android hosts, the hosts, uh, being the, uh, pretty much the robots who are the entertainment for the, for the human guests at this very futuristic theme park. Many of them were killed, although as we know with, with hosts, they can be, uh, you know, they're decommissioned, not dead. They can be recommissioned, but some went to this other place called the sublime or, uh, the beyond. I forget. I even, I forget that, that Valley
0: beyond The Valley beyond,
1: and they may be gone forever, but at the end of the episode, which goes into this episode and what's important to know is Dolores Abernathy who's played by Evan Rachel Wood and is, uh, you know, probably the lead host. She's also the oldest host in terms of, not in terms of age of, of the character, but in terms of how long she's been a robot. She escapes the park and finds her way to the real world where, which will lead into where much of this, uh, this season will be set. And she is on a mission to, uh, to basically destroy humanity. And, and that's a big part of, of the plot. That's important to know. Uh, other hosts, Maeve want Maeve Malave, which was Tandy Newton, was dead. She'd gotten her daughter, who is her real motivation in life, into that valley beyond. But but she will be back this season. One host, Bernard, is is going to be recreated by. Uh, he was recreated by Dolores, and he will be in in the real world. And we will also uh, find out what happens to Charlotte Hale, who was a human theme park executive. She was killed in the season finale, but Dolores had made a copy of her, a host, you know, Android copy of her. And that version will be in the real world, too.
0: Um. So that's yeah, complicated. That's Sorry. complicated. And that's possibly as succinctly as I think you could actually say everything that you should remember. So kudos for that. And also just proves how complicated this show is.
1: But rewatching at least the finale, which is very long, it's like a 100, 100 minutes. And, you know, recaps and uh, older stories are extremely helpful. I, I can't imagine a show like this before the internet age. It it really helped me remember things and see things I didn't see. And, I, you know, I, I think this is a show that you would benefit by a little research before you dove right back in.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I was trying to rewatch some of it before I had to watch my season three screeners, but alas... Uh, Time ran away from me. So I read some recaps. I visited Wikipedia and that was very helpful. Although still there were times when I was like, who is this? What is happening? But season three is set mostly in the real world, which we haven't really seen so far. In the scenes that were in seasons one and two. So what's really exciting, and we saw a bit of this in the trailer, is we get to see sort of what it looks like. Like, what is the real world like? Our hints have been few, you know, they wear mostly clothes that look like 21st century clothes, the the humans who work in the theme park. Um, we know there are corporations still and there are rich people who can pay to go to the theme park, but what is the world like? So seeing the real world was something I was very excited about in season three. Bill, you talked to the producers, to Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy, about what's coming. Did you talk to them about how they built this, this real world outside their fake little West World?
1: Well, one of the funny things was part of it wasn't so much... Re- building because much of a, a bunch of it was shot in Singapore, which is this very modernistic, almost futuristic looking city already. And, uh, Aaron Paul, who's uh, joins the cast this year and Evan, Rachel Wood both marveled about the, the, the modern look of it. Los Angeles. I didn't talk to them about this, but it's clear they've added special effects to, uh, you know, to glam up the skyline and make it make it look more like it's set in 2058, which is when the show is set. And uh, also to point out for listeners, uh, this takes place like about three months after the action at the end of season two.
0: Yeah, the Singapore thing makes so much sense to me, even though I didn't remember that when I was watching, because the the cityscapes we see have so much greenery in them, which is a big part of Singapore, I know, and other cities that are trying to sort of counteract their environmental impact as cities and put green roofs and green walls and just bring as much nature into the, the urban jungle as they can. And that was like a big theme of all the cities that and scenes that we saw that have been taking place in the real world so far.
1: Yeah, completely. And we, we still this season are at the theme parks Bernard, who's played by Jeffrey Wright, is kind of on his own. It was at the end of last season, I still don't fully understand it. Dolores had recreated him but said he would not be an ally, that he would probably be uh, a rival. So I don't quite under, but he was necessary. So I don't quite understand that, but I'm sure hopefully I'll understand it a little more as we go along. But he travels around. He ends up back in uh, the old uh, Westworld. In fact, you see that that famous church setting in, in some of the teaser clips. But he will be back and forth. And then Maeve, who is Tandy Newton's character, she was dead. Or as she told me, she was decommissioned uh, at the end of season two, which means these you know beings cannot be brought back to life. She is in a new theme park that we haven't seen before called War World. And you may have seen that if you've seen the trailer. It's set in a 1940s Italian village that's under Nazi siege. So she's in a new narrative, uh, even as all these other activities are going on in the real world. Um,
0: So this season um, sort of takes on... A new theme kind of the season two uh, kind of moved beyond the just talking about the sci fi in terms of robots and how ethical it is to, you know, do whatever we want to uh, artificial intelligences and these things we think are things and not people. And then season two had a lot of story about how Delos was trying to use the park to create immortality, to data mine everyone who came to it and to create a way to put human consciousness into the host bodies and live forever for the rich people. This season is sort of, at least in the first four episodes that we've seen, is talking a little bit more about both data mining, but also sort of set classism and predetermined paths for people and sort of the ways that technology is supposed to help make the world a better place. Although I don't know how much anyone believes that. After Black Mirror, um, but it's it's sort of about you know how we get put into boxes that limit the potential we have in our lives, and that's a lot of what Aaron Paul's character is about. Who is, I think, we can say is human, and uh, which is a new, exciting person for the show. We got mostly hosts these days, so I thought that was interesting. I still want to know more about the immortality thing, Bill. Do you think they're going to come back to it in the back half of the season, which we didn't get ahead of time?
1: I hope so. And yes, uh, the back half th- this season, there are eight episodes instead of 10. I hope they get back into that. Cause I found that an intriguing element that came in at the end of last season, that idea of basically collecting the guest minds. Yes. With the idea of immortality, but also you could use it for more, more nefarious purposes of, of, you know, controlling everybody, uh, knowing everything about everyone. And I think part of that theme, you mentioned the data mining, the aggregation, I found some of that more realistic to today than, than life like robots. And I asked uh, Lisa Joy, uh, one of the co-creators and executive producers, and she said that they've tried to look at things you know they feel like a lot of the things they're writing about are only 5 minutes into the future. So I think I think there will be more there, but I think as you put it a lot of it right now is about information being used as a tool to control humans. I think another theme this season what was it what's been intriguing the first couple of seasons is we've looked for glimmers of humanity in the in the android hosts. I think one of the things they explore this season is the idea of it was always perceived that humans had free will and choice that the host didn't have, but they kind of raised the question of whether that's really the case and are humans on predetermined loops as well as the hosts. And I think, uh, Aaron Paul's character, Caleb, who's a construction worker, military veteran who has PTSD is an example of that kind of controlling influence.
0: Yeah, I like what they're doing with him. It almost feels a little bit like it's its own separate show. But as I watched the four episodes, that's the show that I was most entertained by. I liked considering that the show that he's a new character and he's sort of. Becoming part of the main plot, but not yet part of the main plot. The, the season two premiere probably spends too much time with him. It's a, it's a fault the series has had from the very first episode that it really likes setup. It is so, the, the writers are so devoted to giving everyone full and complete backstories, which is, you know, something they talk about that they do with the, with the hosts of the park, but they're so committed to making people so well-rounded that they end up Taking away from the greater plot because they've spent a lot of time on little bits and pieces, putting them into place. And then honestly, like there's a problem, I think, of people getting bored. And just really grinding the action to a halt. So I really enjoyed learning about Aaron Paul's character, but I did feel like, you know, I think they made the decision to make the first episode all about uh, him and Dolores and Bernard. We don't see Maeve, who I would probably say is the series' most popular character, until episode two. And I thought that was just a mistake. I thought they really needed to keep the propulsion they had at the end of season two and go forward with that. What did you think, Bill?
1: Well, you bring up some excellent points. Uh, I wasn't as bothered by that, although, you know, that may be a function of being able to watch the episodes consecutively rather than having to wait another week for the second episode. Yeah. So it didn't seem as great a distance. Uh, It's, yeah, I, I... I, I like that they develop these characters. I, I think Aaron Paul is is an appealing actor, whatever he plays, and I think Breaking Bad fans would would always want to see more of him. Although I, I wonder if they've really perfected meth in this age, but that's a different, <laughs> different questions. We've uh, seen those
0: little drugs though. There's definitely a lot more discussion of drugs this season than ever before.
1: Yeah, yeah, there is because yeah, we're getting into humans. I yeah, you make some good points. Mave and Dolores, I I find both those characters appealing, but in very different ways. And Maeve and her bond with her daughter, there is a, in w- weird ways, considering it's a host, sometimes seems the most human of characters. So, I I think the more you get Maeve in there, where you get Maeve in there, you know, will, is good for the show. So I I would agree with that. The earlier the better for her.
0: So overall, what do you think of the four episodes that we've seen compared to the first two seasons? Do you think it's sort of on par? Do you like it better? Did you like the first two seasons more? What are your thoughts so far?
1: Well, I found it to be a more straightforward storytelling. I thought it was kind of cool what they did last year. I mean, this gets really into the weeds, but Bernard, you know, as a host, was worried about being found out by the security forces with the uprising. So he, as they put it, deaddressed addressed his memories, which mean meant he couldn't find them sequentially, which I think was reflected in the narrative for the season, which jumped around to all these various timelines. And it was really difficult to keep track. I think this year, the story is, is more straightforward, but the, uh, The creator said it wasn't an attempt to make it more linear necessarily. It was more that they have always wanted to say, as again, Lisa Joy put it to have fidelity to the host perspective. And I think as the show has gone on, the hosts in particular Dolores have more control and are more the kind of the actors propelling the action forward, uh, rather than being the, uh, The subjects, and I think I think that's you know that that is reflected in the storytelling. But I also found it a little easier to follow, which which helped my enjoyment. What did you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's definitely a time and a place for nonlinear storytelling. I don't think last year they had quite enough justification for it. I think they went a little too far into being weird and complicated for the sake of being weird and complicated. And I found it compelling at the very beginning of the season. And then by the end of season two, I was really sick of not knowing when or where I was. And it was a little bit of a repeat of season one where we have the man in black in the present, and then you had William and Logan in the past, and you thought it was all happening happening concurrently, and then you realized that the man in black is William. And that was a really good twist, and that was done really well. And then in season two, they tried to make it too big and too hard to follow. So I appreciate the linear storytelling here. They're not shying away from twists. There's definitely a twist in episode four, uh, I'll keep my feelings on that to myself until it's more out there in the open. It's hard to talk about until we can really talk about it. But I feel a little disappointed, if only because the trailer and the uh, the aesthetic of the new world and the new actors, it's not just Aaron Paul, but also Lena Waithe and Marshawn Lynch. Seeing them in this looked—I mean, it just looked cool. It looked fun. It looked maybe like Westworld was going to be a bit different. It might have been, a, you know, a, a reboot, a recommission of the show. And watching it, it's certainly different looking because we're in different places. But the same problems that have bothered me the whole time are still there. And there's definitely amount an amount of enjoyment I can get out of the show. I have stuck with it not just because I have to for work. But there is a little bit more of a letdown, it's sort of like fool me once, fool me twice, fool me three times. Definitely shame on me this time for kind of over hoping that the show is going to deliver a little bit more. I think the show has always been a little had its eyes, you know, were eyes were bigger than its stomach. It had really lofty ideas and a lot of money, but it's always it's exceeded aesthetically more than intellectually and more than story-wise for me. It's got great actors and great sets and great direction, but the story has always let me down a little bit, especially the pacing. I thought the first two episodes were very slow. Episodes three and four definitely picked up a little bit, but this show has always taken its very sweet time I thought eight episodes might pick it up a little bit and maybe maybe it's picked up a smidge, but not quite enough for me. So, I mean, I will definitely finish season three, but I don't know how much longer the show needs to keep going. I I have fun most of the time I'm watching, but sometimes I am a little bit. It is a little can get a little bit on the dull side, which is sad considering that it's like a crazy, futuristic, tense, scary concept.
1: Yeah, I understand your points. I think I like it a little more than you do, but you make a, a lot of good points, and I think I applaud the uh, producers for their ambition. Uh, but yeah, they're they're trying to tackle a lot. What's funny is I think this, and I don't think anybody will admit it, but. You know, there, w- I, there was a hope that G- Game of Thrones was dominating the world when this show came on, another HBO series. And I think this was seen as the next best thing or the next big thing. Let me put it that way, the next big thing. A Game of Thrones just doesn't come along all the time. And even no. a, a very good show will will not not reach that level. I think one of the benefits of the world we live in today is that they will be allowed to bring this show to some kind of conclusion that the uh, creators and writers are are satisfied with. So hopefully they'll have enough room and both to tell a story, but not not stay too long. But I, I'm I want to see more in the real world. Uh, Vincent Castle is uh, another new character that that looks intriguing. They hint at a. In the trailer about a Dolores Maeve conflict, I don't know if that'll happen, but that could be fun. So, so there there are things to look forward to, but yeah, p- pacing is is you know uh, definitely a reasonable critique.
0: So one thing I forgot to mention earlier when we were talking about the themes of the new season is that Jonathan Nolan was also a producer on Person of Interest, which is one of my favorite shows of all time. It. Looks like it's a regular old CBS crime procedural, but actually is a much deeper meditation on artificial intelligence and the state of humanity. So you can see exactly how he made the trip from person of interest to Westworld. They're kind of echoing some of the actual like artificial intelligence from person of interest, which I found to be very intriguing. There's sort of a big artificial intelligence this year. On Westworld that is predictive, which is w- what was the, the machine in Person of Interest, was this giant surveillance network that could predict when crimes and terrorist attacks were going to happen and stop them before they occur. So um I found that to be very interesting. Person of Interest was a show that was wild and all over the place and took big swings. And, you know, Westworld feels to me like Exactly what happens when you give someone who can take big swings only occasionally because of budget, the FCC and commercial breaks, and then you give them money, unlimited time and unlimited resources. (laughs) So um, I'm interested to see what they do with that. The end of Person of Interest wasn't my favorite, but there was a lot of really great stuff in that show um, while it was going. So I'm interested to see where they take that.
1: Oh, yeah. And, you know, Jonathan Nolan, uh, one of the co-creators, goes back to uh, the, the movie Memento which was all about memory directed
0: by his brother right uh
1: yes yes and so they really do know this stuff well and they did say they they want to make not complex shows but they want to make shows they'd enjoy watching so there is a degree of complexity to this which i'm not against but it does you know it it's a challenge to pull, to pull that off um we, we didn't mention ed harris is back this season oh right the 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 man in black and i i'm still not fully clear on what's going on with him i've always had ed harris is a great actor but at times i've kind of haven't been able to figure out that character as well and i'm hoping i'm hoping they'll shed some light on that it doesn't appear we'll see anthony hopkins anymore who was ford the basically the co-creator of the park uh he was kind of said goodbye to uh last year as kind of an image but you know with this show decommissioned hosts are never dead so who knows but i i think he's gone but that's another character ed harris is uh man in black to uh Uh, you know, that that will be a focus of this season, too.
0: So, yeah, there is a lot going on. There's a lot that we've seen, a lot that we're waiting to see. So I think that's all we can talk about too much with Westworld before we get into spoilers. But we are happy to talk about it again if the season starts to surprise us. So um, we're going to wrap up here. Okay, listeners, your turn. Are you tuning into Westworld this weekend? Can you keep up with the show? What park would you want to visit? If you would dare to step foot there, uh, let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod, but you can also tweet at us individually. I'm at Klals, Klawls, K L A W L S. Brian is at Brian Truitt. Brett is at Brett Molina 23. And Bill, where can people find you on Twitter?
1: At Bill Kev, B I L L K E V.
0: And thank you so much, Bill, for calling in from Los Angeles. You are amazing. You are a great TV reporter. I don't care what you say, and we're so happy when we get to have you.
1: And thanks. uh, You're a great critic and thank you for hosting. You did an excellent job. Oh, thank you. Helped me out a lot.
0: Okay, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Special thanks to our pilots slash producers of The Mothership this week, Shannon Green and Natalie Boyd. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to The Mothership for free on Apple Podcasts. While you're there, we'd love it if you left us a rating or a review or both. It helps other people find us and keep us flying through the air. But if Apple Podcasts isn't your thing, you can also find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, anywhere you listen. So until next Friday, nerds out.